the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. But you know, what an awesome testimony to Israel's generosity. What an awesome testimony. They had to tell him, stop giving, please. Praise to the God who reigns above. There is a blessing that comes from obeying God's word. I don't know how to explain it. And descends in perfect love. There is a tie between obedience and blessing. It's what the Bible says, that when we obey him, he just blesses us. Holy fire not I try to explain it this way. I think he just wants to bless us, but our disobedience keeps him from doing so. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. I'm your host, Nate Elliott, as we join Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Exodus. God had completely forgiven the Israelites for their idolatry with the golden calf. He reiterated to Moses all that needed to be done for the Israelites to maintain their side of the covenant. God had given them instructions to build the tabernacle and priestly garments. Moses gave these instructions to the people and asked for donations to build the items to be used in their worship for God. God had appointed Bezalel to be in charge of all the work and to oversee the crafting of the tabernacle and priestly garments. We join Pastor Will in Exodus chapter 35, verse 31. In verse 31, it mentions that God called him and then he filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. It's very easy to make the mistake of thinking we only need God's Spirit to do spiritual things, right? God designed mankind to be filled with the Spirit in all that he does. I mean, look what Bezalel would be able to accomplish through God's Spirit. He's going to have wisdom. The word there means skill or expertise. God's going to fill him with the Spirit so he can have skill or expertise. I have a confession to make. I am not competent. (laughs) My wife is laughing because she knows. (laughs) I am not competent with certain things. And one of the things I'm not particularly competent with is in regard regards to handy matters. So when things like hurricanes come through, I'm not the most efficient person to make sure things are well taken care of, but I am a man and I will try (laughs) because I know it's my responsibility. As Matthew is barreling up our coast, I am out buying wood and I'm thinking I need to board up the windows. We need to get this thing ready to go. Now, it had been a very long time ago since I had done this, 2004 with Hurricane Charlie. And I'm trying to put these things up. I'm cutting wood and I'm putting it in the thing and I cannot get the thing to stay in there with the nails. Beverly walks out and she's, I said, honey, I did this last time. How come I can't get it now? She goes, you didn't do it last time. Ken Taylor did it last time. (laughs) And I went, no, I, oh, you're right. But I put it up again for the second hurricane after he did it. She says, yes, you did, sweetheart. The holes were already there, though. (laughs) Now I got this. I'm going to do this. And man, I was so much in the flesh. My son walks around the side of the house. My wife, in her kindness, is trying to find me help. And I'm just really laying into this piece of wood because it's not doing what I wanted to do. I was in the flesh, you know, trying to do it in my own strength. I remember the next day, Lord didn't bug me at all that day. The next day, the next morning, I got up, pulled out my Bible. And, you know, as I'm reading through, he says, we need to talk. 
You can't do anything on your own, Will. I'm a man. I should know how to do this. Men do this stuff. He said, you need my help. I helped you get it up, didn't I? Yeah, I eventually got it up. And you eventually figured out how to make it work. Yeah, I did. Well, you could have avoided all the other castle if you'd just come to me first. And I know this stuff because I'm not competent. And I've had other times where the lawnmower breaks or something else breaks. And then when I handle it the right way and I pray and I say, Lord, help me to know what to do. And then help me to have the grace and the peace if it's not working. And when that happens, I'm not losing my temper and I'm not getting frustrated. And I'm able to deal with it and walk through it and then eventually come to a solution. Whether it's getting help from someone else or figuring it out on my own, whatever the case might be. It's so easy sometimes to look at the simple tasks in life and think, well, I don't need skill or expertise. I've got the skill and expertise, you know? I've got the chromosomes for this. I can do it. God gave him skill and expertise to do these things. He filled him with a spirit in understanding. The word there means the ability to reason or logically complete a task. There are going to probably be times that they're going to have to figure out exactly how to do this. Now the best way to get this done. And the Lord was by his spirit going to empower him with the ability to, to logically work through it. He filled him with the spirit so that he would have knowledge. The word there means the ability to apply what one knows or the craft that one has. There are things that we do have expertise and skill in. But just because you have expertise and skill in doesn't mean that you're going to do it right. I can't tell you how many times when it comes to trying to understand the Bible. I've been doing this a long time. And I'll be racking my head against the wall just trying to figure out why am I not understanding this. And the Lord's like, well, you could ask. And it's so easy sometimes, especially in an area where we know what we're doing, to just fall into the routine of doing it and not coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you to fill me with your spirit for this task. Yes, I have the skill set. Yes, I have this craft, but Lord, you need to help me do it. And then if case anything else is left out, he says in all manner of workmanship, not just the area of his expertise, but anything that needed to get done, the Lord filled him with his spirit. So that he could devise curious works. The word there means to create a design for the tabernacle. To work in gold and silver and brass. The cutting of stones. Carving of wood. And to make all manner of cunning work. The same phrase. To create designs for all the work that needed to be done. You and I need to be filled with God's spirit to accomplish our job tasks. You know, our work-related career tasks. We need to be filled with God's spirit to interact with our coworkers. We need to be filled with God's spirit to make good business decisions. We need to be filled with God's spirit to prosper in our skill sets. He might say, but Will, an unbeliever could do these things without God's spirit. What are you talking about? Yes, they can. But whatever has been accomplished will perish with them. When we accomplish these things in the power of God's spirit, it produces fruit that lasts forever. Because it's fruit that touches people. And so I'd ask you tonight, are you doing your work in the power of God's spirit? Are you doing it with his wisdom? Don't trust in your own expertise, no matter how skilled you might be. Well, chapter 36, the construction begins. Then wrought Bezaliel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord had put wisdom. So he did the same thing. He put his spirit in the people who volunteered to serve. And every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord had put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary, according to all that the Lord commanded. And so Moses called Bezaliel and Holiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come and unto the work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had bought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it withal. Can you imagine how huge this task must have seen for Bezaliel and, and Holiab and all these folks? They got to start from scratch and all they got is materials. But most things worth doing, they are pretty monumental when you first start. And they'll never be completed unless you start at some point. And so here, 
the work begins. And I love here the fact that God put wisdom and this understanding into them to know how to do the work. Let me ask you a question. Do you recognize that even the skills that you do have are gifts from God? You say, oh, well, I worked hard to earn this. Or I worked hard to study this, you know, skill set. I got my degree. You did probably. I'm sure you did. But who gave you the capacity to understand it? Who gave you the capacity physically to perform those things? Even though you and I may have worked hard and we should, there had to be a divine endowment somewhere to move forward. And we need to be grateful for that and recognize that and always move in that power. Well, as they're working, something interesting happens. Look at the end of verse three. The people keep giving. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. Every day, they kept bringing more stuff. Hey, Moses, we got some more gold and stuff for you. Every day as they're building, people keep bringing stuff. And this created an interesting problem. Look at verse four. So all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work, which they made. They stopped working. And they come to Moses. And they said, Moses, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. There's too much. There's too much left over. This shows me two very interesting things. This shows me that God can't predetermine everything. Because if that's the case, he doesn't add very well. God doesn't predetermine everything. We are free moral agents with the ability to choose. And in this case, more responded with generosity than necessary. And so Moses gave commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the People were restrained from bringing for the stuff that they were, that they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. They had leftovers, which shows me the second interesting thing. Leaders should never take from the flock when the need has already been met. We've read about too many a pastor who's got in trouble for lining his pockets with the extra cash of a special offering when the need had already been met. Let that never be said of our leaders. But you know, what an awesome testimony to Israel's generosity. What an awesome testimony. They had to tell them, stop giving, please. It'd be like stopping the offering halfway through. Like, no, we got enough. We good. No pastor's doing that. God loves a cheerful giver, doesn't he? What an awesome time this must have been in Israel's history. Not many times do they shine as bright as they do here. It's a pretty special moment. Verse 8 something very interesting happens here. And so much so, I am not going to read it. For it says, well, I'll read some, but not the whole thing. And every wise-hearted man among them that wrought the work of the tabernacle made, and then it starts with the curtains. And then in verse 20, it goes down to the boards that would create the structure for the tabernacle. Verse 35, you get to the veils, the one in front of the tabernacle, and then the one in between the holy place and the holy of holies. And then in chapter 37, you get all the measurements for the ark and the details for the ark in verse 1. Then in verse 10, you get the details for the table of showbread. And in verse 17, you get the details for the golden menorah. Verse 25 of chapter 37, you get the details for the altar of incense, the golden altar. And then we go outside the tabernacle into the outer court in chapter 38. In verse 1, you get the altar, a brass altar of burnt offerings. In verse 8, you see the brass laver. Verses 9 through 20, you see the court. What we have here is repetition. The reason I'm not reading all this is because I've already given multiple studies on all these details from Exodus 25 through 27. So if you want to learn more about every piece of furniture in the tabernacle, check out the the studies I did from Exodus 25 to 27, because we would spend another three or four weeks on something I just taught a few weeks ago. But it is interesting to note a few things. When Moses is up on the mountain in Exodus 25 through 27, He starts from the Holy of Holies and then he works his way out. But here in the construction, they start with the curtains first and they work their way into the Holy of Holies. And so we see that one set of instructions is from God's perspective of relating to man. 
and the other is from man's perspective on the outside relating to God. And in this, we see how the new covenant is so much better because we don't have to mess with any of that perspective. The new covenant is better because it brings us right through the torn veil and into the holy of holies the moment we put our faith in Christ. Amen? That's a great truth. Verse 21 of chapter 38, we've moved pretty far ahead. In verse 21 of chapter 38, we get to an inventory of all the materials that were collected. And this is the sum of the tabernacle. This is the word sum there means to inventory or to take stock. This was the inventory of the tabernacle, even of the tabernacle, the testimony as it was counted, inventoried. Same word as sum. According to the commandment of Moses for the service of the Levites by the hand of Ithamar, son son to Aaron, the priest. This is interesting because we're getting mentioned here again that the Levites are going to be assisting in the service of the tabernacle. We have not had mention of that a whole lot yet, and that is not official yet. There's been no command that that will be the case. But this is another indicator that God plans to do something different than he originally spoke. Remember, he originally said, every firstborn son will serve me in the ministry. That's what he said. I've redeemed them because they would have died in the 10th plague, the plague of the firstborn. But since you've trusted me and you put them under the blood of the lamb... They have been rescued, but the firstborn is mine. They're going to serve me. But here we're seeing that instead of taking every firstborn son into the ministry, Aaron and his sons will become the priests. We've already learned that. And the tribe of Levi would serve in the tabernacle alongside them. Now, while we already know about Aaron's role, the direct command about the Levites will not come to a later, until a later time in the law. We'll get to that when we get to Leviticus and Numbers. Also, we have the mention here of Ithamar, Aaron's son. God, again, is already pairing Aaron's family and the Levites together. Ithamar has taken the count. He's the one in charge of the inventory, and he's working with the Levites to count everything to oversee the inventorying of these offerings. Now, I also think this is a great piece of wisdom in how the church handles giving. The offering should be handled with care and precision to ensure what people give isn't lost. Some of you guys may not know how it's handled here. They take that box and they go back into a room. It's never done with one person. Never. It's always done with multiple people because that way no one can be skimming. No one can be stealing. No one will be tempted to do that because they're going to get caught. Secondly, we almost never have the same people in there every week. And anytime we do, we try to shuffle it around. And the reason is, is because we want anyone in there knowing what people give so that they start being tempted to treat people differently because, oh, this person gives a lot and this person doesn't. It's funny. I remember we had one person at the previous church I pastored who had counted a few weeks in a row. They had brought them onto the team and they came to me and they said, this is hard. And I said, why is it hard? I knew why they would say it, but I said, why is it hard? They said, I know what people give now. And I get mad sometimes because I know how much they make and I see how little they give. And I know how much some people are so generous and I know how little they make. And it makes me angry. I said, well, that's a part of the serving. That's why we don't just pick anybody to go back there and count. Because you have to be mature enough to say, I'm going to love people whether they're being generous or not. But great principles here in, in how we count and it's why we do it the way we do it. Paul echoed these very same principles in the New Testament, but I don't, I'm not going to get into that tonight. Verse 22, we get to the amount donated. Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Ker, of the tribe of Judah, made all the Lord commanded Moses. With him was Aholiab, son of Isamach, of the tribe of Dan. He was an engraver and a cunning workman and an embroiderer in blue and in purple and in scarlet and fine linen. All the gold that was occupied for the work and all the work of the holy place, even the gold of the offering was 29 talents and 730 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. A talent is roughly 70 pounds. 
This amounts to almost 2,100 pounds of gold. That's how much was given. That's how generous the people were. And the silver of them, verse 25, that were numbered of the congregation was 100 talents, so even more. And 1,703 score and 15 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. And then it explains something to us. Now, a becuf was for every man. That's, remember, they had to bring an offering. Everybody had to bring an offering of silver. We learned about that in Exodus 27, where everyone had to bring one. It was the idea of silver is a medal of redemption, and every one of us belonged to the Lord, and they need to bring that silver to redeem them themselves uh, from the service of the tabernacle. And so he explains here, a becca for every man, that is half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary, for everyone that went to be numbered from 20 years old and upward, for 600,000 and 3,550 men. And of the hundred talents of silver were cast the sockets of the sanctuary and the sockets of the veil. And a hundred sockets, these were the things snapped into place to keep them from falling over at the bottom. A hundred sockets of the hundred talents, a talent for a socket. And of the 1,775 shekels, he made hooks for the pillars and overlaid the chapiters and filleted them. And the brass of the offering was 70 talents and 2,400 shekels. With it, he made the sockets for the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and the brazen altar and the brazen and great the grill for it and all the vessels of the altar and the sockets of the court round about and the sockets of the court gate and the pins the pegs of the tabernacle and all the pins of the court round about it was about 7,000 pounds of silver the reason the silver is higher because every man over 20 years old and up had to give a shekel worth of silver like I said we discussed that in Exodus 27 I do think it's interesting here that we get for the first time a precise number of the Exodus in Exodus 12 37 it said about 600,000 but here we find it at 603 3,550. Now the passage makes it clear that children aren't included. So if the women also aren't included, which was common when you counted, not saying it's right, just how it was back then. So the number of 603,550 men easily translates to 2 million people. God kept his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to make their descendants like the sand of the sea, didn't he? Well, the brass was about 5,000 pounds. So, I mean, you just see how generous everyone was. There was so much there. Let we get to chapter 39. And from verses 1 through 31, this is also repetition. For it says, and of the blue and of the purple and of the scarlet, they made the clothes of service to do service in the holy place and made the holy garments for Aaron as the Lord commanded Moses. And then it lists all the pieces and how they made it. So again, I'm not going to go over that again. For more information on each piece of the priest's garments, I want to encourage you to see the studies from Exodus 20. So if you get the studies from Exodus 25 to 28, you're going to get all the stuff I skipped here. Again, I just went through it. It would be really too repetition to do it again. But verse 32 brings us to the last thing we want to talk about here, which is Moses inspects it because now it's done. Verse 32 of chapter 39. Thus was all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation finished. And the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So did they. And so they brought the tabernacle unto Moses, the tent and all his furniture, his tachets, his boards, his bars and his pillars and his sockets and the covering, the roof there of ram skins dyed red and the covering of badger skins and the veil of the covering, the ark of the testimony and the staves thereof and the mercy seat, the table and all the vessels thereof and the showbread, the pure candlestick with the lamps thereof, even with the lamps to be set in order and all the vessels thereof and the oil for light and the golden altar and the anointing oil and the sweet incense, and the hanging or the curtain for the tabernacle door, the brass altar, and his grate or the grill of brass, his staves, and all his vessels, the laver, that was the one they would wash their hands in after the butchering of the animals, and his foot or his base, the hangings for the court on the outside, the pillars there that they would hang from, and the sockets that would hold them in place, and the hanging for the court gate, 
his cords and his pins, and all the vessels of the service of the tabernacle for the tent of the congregation. The cloths of service to do service in the holy place, and the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and his son's garments to minister in the priest's office, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So the children of Israel made all the work. Israel obeys the Lord to the T. Everything that God told them to do, they did it. And it's one of the few times in their history where they did that. I hope that we have a better testimony. <laughs> that we don't have our history. We look and we say, hey, there's a few times we obeyed God. But that the testimony of our lives and our church should be one where Calvary Chapel Orlando and its people are people who love and obey the Lord. Amen? Moses did look upon all the work. And behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. Even so had they done it. And Moses blessed them. There is a blessing that comes from obeying God's word. I don't know how to explain it, but it just is. So you're saying, you know, we earn something from God by our obedience? No, I'm certainly not saying that. But there is a tie between obedience and blessing. I don't understand it. I can't explain it necessarily, but it's what the Bible says. That when we obey him, he just blesses us. I try to explain it this way. I think he just wants to bless us, but our disobedience keeps him from doing so. Does that make sense? And when we're being obedient to him, it just allows God to do what he already wants to do in the first place, which is pour out his blessings upon us. I have a few scriptures to leave you with that talk about that. I think they're so good when it concerns God's word. Psalm 19 verses 7 through 11, if you want to turn there with me. And it shows some of the blessings that come from God's word, what it does for us, and what we can have if we'll be obedient to it. Psalm 19, verse 7, says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is great what? Great reward. That's what it says. Psalm 1. It says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. Here it is. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Doesn't that sound good? Obedience does bring blessing. We talked and we started off with the idea of a do-over. And if anyone had reason to want to fix his past, it was Paul the apostle. But you know what? In Philippians three thirteen and 14, he says this. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, arrived at what God has saved me for but this one thing i do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are in front i press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of god in christ jesus listen knowing jesus and experiencing all that god had for him was what paul was pressing on for let's press on for the same thing amen let's press on to experience all that god has for us he said but will you don't know how i failed did you fail like aaron did you fail like like all the israelites had maybe you did but if he can restore them he can restore you but you don't understand. Well, maybe, maybe Paul does because he was a murderer. A man who had been educated in the word of God like probably very few men his day and age had been. And yet he had taken all that truth and had gone to his head and he had missed his own Messiah 
and then was killing the people who had believed in him. The man who had everything at his disposal had missed his own Messiah and was killing those who believed in him. If God can forgive that man, he could forgive you. So let's forget those things that are behind and let's press on to the high prize from our calling in Jesus Christ. Let's all stand. Oh Lord, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, that you never leave us, never forsake us even when we fail. Lord, that when we are faithless, you remain faithful for you cannot deny yourself. So Lord, we want to remain faithful and we want to go on to perfection. We want to grow in you. We want to press on to the high prize of our calling in Christ Jesus which is knowing you and experiencing all that you have for us. So Lord, will you fill us with your spirit so we can do that now? As we commit our hearts to you anew and afresh, would you take us by the hand and lead us, Lord? We will follow you in Jesus' name. God gives people different abilities and talents so they can bless the people around them. God wants to use everyone from every race, both male and female. Everyone has a valuable place in God's kingdom. Everyone is useful and necessary in the body of Christ. God can and will use us as we surrender unto Him. If you have a question or a need, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.